out of the words, the power of uncompromised living. Okay, we're in a series. I preach probably one, two series a year. This is our first one. Next week is Vision Sunday. We'll stall, then we're back into it. 2 Corinthians 3.16. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, and I hope you have, the veil is taken away. And Paul talks about a veil over the mind, over the heart, over the eyes, where people can't see. They can't see God. Uh, they can't see the truth. They can't see revelation. It can be, and it can, Christians can still have that. And, and we talk about deliverance, sanctification, and, and, and iniquities, things that have been passed down through to you, whereby you have a, a veil over your mind, over your heart, over your eyes. It's three veils that Paul talks about. I'll start again. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what Julie was saying. Let's give it up for the Lord. Because we should be set free to live our best life, to portray our best countenance and, and be a shining example for Jesus. All right. Verse 18. And we who are with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. Now the glory, listen to me, prophetically, this is probably one of the most major messages on the planet, prophetically, is the glory. The glory is coming. The glory wants to land on you. The glory wants to come into the meetings. The glory is evidenced sometimes by meetings, apparently, and we've had it too, gold dust, and there's all sorts of manifestations, but apparently the gold dust is happening again out there. I don't know if you believe in that, but it's happening despite what you think it's happening. And the glory, and in the glory, people are raised from the dead, people are healed. Jesus' culture is all about that stuff. Bill Johnson is all about the glory. Get the glory in the meeting, get the glory on your life. When you get the glory on your life, pray. Pray real good. Pray for me, would you, if you get the glory on your life? Because it's in the glory that all heaven breaks loose. Amen? Don't you like that? And so. I just wanted to, and we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, say transformed, into his likeness with an ever increasing glory. There's another uh, translation that says glory to glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, take notes down because I'm going to be flying through this. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pull up at 11. Right, here we go. But we have this treasure of jar, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 10, we always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in your body and mine. For we who are alive are all always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. That means help. All right. You're dying to your own agenda. You're dying to your selfishness. You're dying to your sin. You're dying to your stuff, your ugly stuff. You're dying to that. Why? For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that this, so that this life, your life, may be revealed in our mortal body. Verse 12, so then death is at work in us. Oh, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So meaning that if I have the death of Jesus operating in me, 
you're going to have the life of God operating through you when I witness to you, when I preach to you, when I, when I speak to you. Do you understand that? Where if that's not happening in your life, what you might be giving, what you're trying to give might not work if you haven't got the death, if you haven't died to your sin, if you haven't died to selfishness, if you haven't died to the ugly stuff, you wonder why, man, why, why isn't my witness happening? Why isn't my influence happening? Why don't people believe me? Do you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of good stuff in there. And this comes in the spirit of this. 1 Thessalonians 2.12. That's not even my preach. Where did I get that piece of paper? Yeah. Um, 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, Encouraging, comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. I'll say it again. This, this message and series comes to you in this spirit. It's a spirit of encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory because I believe God is coming. Amen. There's a blog I read and it, and it went like this. If we could have this one. Thanks, Tim. Uh, th- th- this is what it is. We are being... Uh, I just found this yesterday and it's pertinent to the, to the message. We are being changed from glory to glory. Just said that. But we'll never be changed from the things we tolerate about ourselves. So it really is a message about looking at your stuff. Character is this. Here is, here is a statement from Andy Stanley, and it goes like this. The will to do what is right. He says, character is this. The will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal cost. Wow. Character is, do you like that? You like that? Does that make sense? The will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless regardless of personal cost. Wow. Some statements, here we go. Most people, particularly in the Christian community, don't tend to examine their character. For some reason, they seem to think that grace is enough. While God tells us that His grace is sufficient, it is not enough just to say grace will take care of my character. Who can say amen to that? Uh, We're really challenging some... Yeah, we're really challenging some stuff that is allowed to happen over the years where we've, I guess, preachers like I have preached a lot of good empowering messages but really have put a lot of onus on the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, it's your job to knock them into shape. But as you know, when Garth goes to the gym, he's actually, he's got to sweat. He's got to pump iron. He's got to do the stuff. And doesn't he look good for it, amen? You notice he's, he's starting to wear my T-shirts now. Yeah, yeah, right. Thanks, buddy. T.D. Jake style now. Somebody. Somebody. <laughs> you have to actually build your character. Because ultimately, you want to be a person that is trustworthy. Don't you? Law-abiding a citizen, compassionate. You want to be those things. It must make you wonder, though, that even people that even go to church don't have character. Do you know what I'm saying? You go, hang on, this person's a Christian. Well, 
Andy Stanley defines character in his book as, we said it, the will to do what is right as defined by God regardless of personal cost. I'm going to keep repeating that as we go on. He further goes on to explain that most people in the world have a shifting... Now, get this. This, is, this applies to me, applies to you. He further goes on to explain that most people in the world have a shifting definition of character based on circumstances. Meaning, whenever God's standard conflicts with our personality or lifestyle or our circumstances, an interesting phenomena takes place. Our first instinct is to tweak his standard. Someone's laughing right now, I can see you. We adjust it just a little bit to fit our lifestyle. It's nothing personal. It's simply human nature. Listen, guys, we all do it. All right? We have a propensity to change the rules on God. We tend to change His commands to fit our personality, our present lifestyle, or our current circumstances. Everyone does it. <laughs> Andy tells a story about a missionary named John Wolfinger and how he took a stand that personifies the definition of character. He said this Wolfinger guy, this missionary guy, was leading a group of 100 Christian converts in Borneo uh, when the Japanese military invaded this island, took control of the island, they sought to arrest the missionary. And the, the, these born, Borneo born-again Borneo born people said, we will hide you in the mountains so that when the Japanese military come to arrest you, we will just keep quiet, zip. And he, he is so integral, this guy, he had so much character. I don't, know if I'd have, I don't know if I would have this much character, but he says, no, I will not go hide in the mountains. I will stand and, and, and then be a witness of what integrity and godly character is because to, to set you up to have to lie for me is not the example I want to leave as a legacy if I was to die. <laughs> so incredible story. If you are looking for things that are beautiful to the Lord, being a man of character or a woman of character would definitely be on that list. Again, character is the will to do what is right as defined by God regardless of personal cost. We're speaking of uh, people that you might know that wouldn't gossip about you. This is what character is. People that wouldn't say anything about you. We're talking about people that would walk away from gossip. When when some gossip stirs up, they would just walk, walk away. We're talking about someone who would take the blame for which what they did. Look, I did it, okay, okay, so be it. Talking about a husband, maybe, that speaks well of his wife in public, not ridicules you, and likewise, and vice versa, women to men. You know what I'm saying? So people of character, they say it, you know, I think it's more than one in a million. I think it's much more than that. Amen? I think there's plenty of people with good godly, including unsaved people who have built their character just because of their, you know, their education, their upbringing. And it's, but really, the Bible says we should be shining examples of character. Not just Holy Ghost rollers and, and depending on God to do all the work. We should have character. Amen? We should be trustworthy. We should be the best people to be employed. The best people to be employed. Amen? 
we should be trustworthy when people tell us something. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and I, I love that statement about SG Youth that you guys uh, helped me, Garth. I read it on the... Um, our aim is Stadium Generation SG is the youth ministry of C3 Church Tugra. Our aim is to see young people experience the fullness of life that has been made possible through Jesus Christ. Second, through the transformation of God's Word and His Spirit, empowering of His Spirit, we can live lives that are young and free. I love that term, by the way. I love that, young and free. And impact our city. But I suggest this, young people, if you hold fast to integrity of character and don't talk and bitch about your friends and others, man, you will, you will, be, you will find you will have a lot of friends. Because there's a real thing... I don't know where it's come from, this real criticism spirit. I have my own thoughts where it comes from. You know, Australian Idol and all these shows that where we pick people to pieces and criticize them. Amen. And now that's coming to our playgrounds, into our classrooms. Oh, that poor, look at them. And, you know, they're nine out of ten, but all of a sudden, oh, look at them. You know, you, oh, yeah, sure. No way. You know, don't fall into the spirit of the age, which is criticism cynicism, criticism. Don't do it, young people and older people. Just speak well of people. That's character. Amen. There is something attractive. Don't put the music up yet. I'm not finished yet. There is something attractive about these kind of people. I said this. Hey, how you doing, guy? All right. You're looking great. There is something attractive about you because you got character. I mean, there's plenty... <laughs> <laughs> that didn't quite work out, did it? <laughs> she wants to talk to me after the service. We find ourselves wanting to be like them. We enjoy their company. Relationship with these people comes easy. You like that? The reality, so I'm throwing at you a lot of statements here. The reality of the matter is that in order to become a person of character, we must surrender to God's ownership. Take these points. We must believe that there is an absolute right and wrong determined by God. Remember what the, the character meant? Character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, regardless of personal costs. I think that's amazing that. Two, the core question for every person, the core question for every person who wants good character is lordship. Are we willing to allow Christ to be Lord over our lives? Do you think that's probably a good question? Are we willing to allow God, Jesus, to be Lord over the entirety of our lives, over our personality, over our circumstance, over all our stuff? The instructions God has given us on how to live our lives are crucial. The moment we decide to live in duplicity, which is a word that's been just reverberating in my spirit, duplicity. And the Lord does this to me. He, he, he sort of stirs me on a particular subject. And I get this word duplicity, which is meaning you do one thing, maybe in public, but you're another thing in private. You say one thing to someone, but really you'll never do that thing. You, you know, you, you say and will and do one thing, but you're never going to do it. Duplicity. It's a terrible thing to live in. It's a lie. It's not truth. It'll bring you undone. A lot of people can play it, actually. A lot of clever people, too. The instruction God has given to us is how to live our lives is crucial. The moment we decide to live in duplicity, not truth, or not to have integrity is when our world starts to crumble. Big statement here. 
A correlation exists, correlation exists between our personal righteousness or character and our ability to know God intimately. This is what this is a statement that, that really spoke to me. This is it again. There is a correlation that exists between our personal righteousness or character and our ability to know God. You know what I mean? I'm saying this, that you're living in duplicity. If you're living a lie, you will never be able to approach the throne of grace properly. You will never be able to worship God properly. You will never be able to hear the voice of God properly. You will never have the Holy Spirit presence around you. We're talking about a conference, presence, presence. But a lot of people are going to go to presence and they're not going to quite get the full deal because they're living a lie. They're living in duplicity. Is that cool to say? Is that, is that true? Because God's saying, you're not being real with me. It's like going to your mum and dad and you haven't done this and you haven't done, you've cussed your mum and dad out and, you know, and you, you know, you're living, you know, just rebelliously. Then you go to mum and dad, mum and dad, man, it's Christmas time. Did you, did you realize it's my birthday next week? Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and, and then you've got to say, well, hang on, you know, the things don't just pull up and stop there. Let's get some things sorted out here. You cussed me out last week. You know, you wouldn't do this. You rebelled and stuff. Now let's clear, let's clear the air and let's get things. You know what I'm saying? Duplicity. Kids do it at a young age. Psalm 15. I don't want to go there just yet, Tim. Thanks. It says the person who knows God intimately shows God. We're going to go there, but not just at the moment. Psalm 15 says the person who knows God intimately shows good character. The pursuit of character essentially becomes the pursuit of God. Oh, I love this stuff. I'm going, to, I'm going to hear it back for myself. Psalm 15 says the person who knows God intimately shows good character. The, person, the pursuit of character essentially becomes the pursuit of God. Getting personal. Here's some statements. We are faced with choices that reveal our character daily. I'm doing well. I'm nearly there. Yes, they may be small or often no one will be hurt by them. But what are we saying to others by the way we live? Next, are we showing Christ by going the easier route? Next, having godly character is huge. Next, we want to live our life so that at the, at the schools we attend and at the jobs that we have, people can look back on us and say they were integral people. They were good people. I know, God, I know people can say that about people in this church. Another statement. This may not be easy to do, but it's worth it. Point. To have great character is to seek after Christ and to be about what Christ was about. Point. Every day we get the choices to be grace-filled and show character or live for ourselves. Which will you choose? Point. Your character, more than anything else, will impact how much you accomplish in this life. Your character will determine how much you will accomplish in this life. It is more important than your talent, your education, your background, or your network of friends. Point. We need to discover a definition of character that will inspire us for our lifetime, for the external reasons and for the internal reasons of our life. And we're going to look at some practical insights. We're going to look at the Bible. We're going to look at some stories and then we're going to set some personal goals maybe. Point. The secret to a life with no regrets is how important is your character? 
It determines everything about you, how much you will accomplish in life, whether you are worth knowing. Whether you're worth knowing. Point. How will you respond to success? Your character will, de- your character will be detrimental to how you respond to success and how you will weather the inevitable storms of life. Character is about uncompromised living. It is about choosing every day to be a man or woman of integrity, a person whose actions speak louder than words. Who's who's ready to do this? Are you still ready? (laughs) You know, let's let's be courageous here. Let's be bold to take this message on. Apparently, pastors and counselors spend a substantial amount of time with people who are digging themselves out, spending time with people who are digging themselves out, out from personal catastrophes and circumstances that were often years in the making but took them by surprise. Another group of people have faced or are facing storms of life that are not of their own making, storms created by the character deficits of of other storms that are a natural part of fallen world and of people, of course. They're in the midst of unjust treatment and seemingly undeserved pain. The true character of a man or woman is revealed. When you see in such moments in what was really there all along. Point, we send prophetically, we said at the start of this year, prophetically change. God's in the process of taking the raw materials of your life and shaping it, molding it, and refining them to be a godly man or woman. Yeah. Whether you know it or not, that process is happening in you right now. Your character, not your accomplishments or your acquisitions, determines your legacy, the real you. Job two, Job 2.3. Two, Job 2.3. The real you. Julie read it out last week. I thought I'd read it out this morning. And you preached brilliant last Sunday night, Jules. It's fantastic. Wonderful. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me against him to ruin him with any reason. You know what happened? He got wiped out. His houses collapsed. His kids got killed. He lost all his livestock, lost all his riches. He got just riddled with disease and scabs and his wife was cussing him out, deny your God, look at your, look what your God's done, look at you, you're, you're a mess. And he had some friends come alongside him to help him again. You're a mess, you know, deny your God, we'll help you if you deny your God. You know the story. Lost everything. He was the richest man in the land. Job 27.2, as surely as God lives, and there's this Job, he's holding fast, he's got scabs all over him, he's literally like got leprosy. He's lost everything. He's got not a cracker, no livestock. Everything's dead, dying, busted, broke. He's disheveled. He's, he's a wreck. He's gone. He's down for the count. He's lost everything. And he says this, 27 verse 2, As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice? As surely as God lives, who has denied me justice? The Almighty, who has made me taste bitterness of soul. As long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils... My lips will not speak wickedness, and my tongue will utter no deceit. Job 27, verse 5. I will never admit, admit you are in the right. Speaking to these guys, these, these people are trying to mock him and bring him undone. 
till I die. I will not deny my integrity. Do you like that? Sounds like Churchill. I will not, I will not deny my integrity. Don't you love that? Who's seen the, the, the King's speech and seen Churchill in that? Fantastic. Check it out, that movie. It's fantastic. 26, 27, verse 6. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. And Julie, I think you helped me with this scripture too. Psalm 41, verse 12. In my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Man, you can be busted. You can have scabs all over you. Your bank accounts can be flattened. You can, your flat tires are flat. I mean, everything's busted and broke, but at least you got the presence of God. Amen. There's a lot of rich people who have connived and wheeled and dealed, and they haven't got God like we have. We might be on, we might be middle, you know, middle class, blue collar people, you know, just making ends meet. But I tell you what, we got God. I'd rather be God than the guy that spent $500,000, that movie star, spent $500,000 on a binge, a three-week binge on cocaine and prostitutes and, you know, and got arrested in the end. He earns a million dollars every job he has, multi-millionaire, and he spends three weeks just totaling himself. Well, guess what? He can have all that money. He can have that. I'd rather have this and have God's presence, man. I'd, l- I'd rather walk in the presence of God and, 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 you know, even on the hottest day, know that God's going to get us through it. Know that God's going to be there for us at the end of it. I love it. Godly character is a system that sustains and nurtures our inner man and enable, enables us not only to survive the storms of life, but to thrive. We would talk about the tangible, observable benefits of character, virtues of honesty, loyalty, self-control, faithfulness, patience, kindness. But in addition to these external advantages, character also adds immeasurable value to our lives in two internal internal ways. One, spiritual intimacy. Two, emotional stanima. You can put that Psalm 15 up there now. Let's read it together. (laughs) What did I say? Spiritual intimacy, emotional stanima. Lord, who may dwell? Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? Yep, next. I want the whole psalm, that whole 15, yeah. He whose walk is blameless, and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart, and has no slander on his tongue, and does his neighbor no wrong, and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. He who does these things will never be shaken. Paraphrase what that means. Their walk is blameless. They do what is right. They tell the truth. They don't gossip. They don't mistreat people. They don't side. They side with those who are right. They keep their word. They keep their word. They lend money to those in need without interest. I'd love to find those people. Uh, They don't take advantage of people. And I'm not talking about the Muslims either because they don't lend money with interest. But anyway, they don't lend money to those. (laughs) They don't take advantage of people for financial gain. Nearly done. Spiritual intimacy. 
correlation exists between our personal righteousness or our character and our ability to know God intimately. The psalmist promises that the person who pursues character gains the privilege of experiencing a special relationship with the Father. Psalm 15 describes the difference between those who know God from a distance and those who know Him intimately. Some people are saying, hold on, man, you know, is it all up to us? Uh, But I've had a bad start too, man. I've had a lot of things against me. I'm finding it hard to build my character, you know, to build this thing. But we all have opportunity and we all have responsibility. This is for the people that maybe throw off in a negative way and say, look, how can I ever be anyone of any virtue? Any? How can I be a person of character? Man, you don't know what I was brought up under. You don't know how I was brought up. I'm telling you, everyone has opportunity. Everyone has responsibility to choose where you end up. Because character, and I think we've got this statement that can go up, because character is not much about what you are. It is where you are becoming. It is what you are becoming. It is not so much an issue of where you are as it is where you are headed. That's powerful. I'm going to read it again. Because character is not about about where you are. So we're not saying, you know, oh, he's arrived somewhere, you know. No, because character is not is not as much about where you are as it is what you are becoming. It is not so much an issue of where you are as it is where you are headed. And of course, there's a huge statement. One more thing. This is not a solo flight. This is not a be-all-you-can-be kind of thing. The truth is most of us are being all we can be. And that's the problem. Listen to me carefully. Being all we can be isn't enough. We need to be what we aren't and left to our own devices and left to our... hmm. We need to be what we aren't and left to our own devices, we cannot become anything other than what we are. And of course, our merciful Father, He smiles from heaven. He sometimes shakes His head and He goes, Guys, guys, Romans 8.29. And He reaches down His hand to you and I and Romans 8.29 For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. What's He predestined you to be? Conformed to the likeness of His Son. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Even if we've been brought up by mental cases and and, and depression, but poverty and and, and, and such horrible stuff, still, who can be against us? If we choose to look at Him and say, God, I want to be a man of character. I want, I want to be someone shining for You. Yeah, a lot of us have had dysfunctional upbringings. I don't mean to downcry that. We all have been brought up. Julie's heard, you've heard Julie's story. I've got my story. Everyone has a story about dysfunctionalism on the fallen planet called planet Earth. No father was perfect. Let's just forgive them and get over it. Amen. Some people don't even know who their dads were. I had, when I was working in the boys' home at Mount Penang, I had to be very careful by saying, man, where's your dad? And they would look sheepishly and they said, actually, I don't know who my dad is. My dad was one night stand. So I had to work out, you know, you know, sensitive ways to introduce myself to these lads. Simply put, the creator of the universe plans to be intimately involved in the process of moving your character. And I'm done. 
moving your character in a positive direction. He has an agenda for your inner man, your character, that part of you that will share eternity with Him, that part of you that more than any other, thank you music, determines who you really are. The message, this message and this series is about character development. Every day of your life, now listen to me guys, every day of your life you go head to head with a master strategist. I said this, every day you go head to head with a master strategist that wants to bring you undone and eliminate the fingerprint of God on your life, the glory of God on your life, the anointing on your life, the calling of your character, your character. The enemy wants to rid you and mock you and cause you to be one who is intent on depleting your character of anything that in any way reflects the nature of the glory of your Father in heaven. We need a strategy to aid us in our struggle and we need it and this message I hope will bless you through it let's all stand God bless you can we have the the communion handed out let's have the communion handed out thank you Jesus thank you I just I I had to get it through like that guys and thank you for your patience thank you so much for your patience but can we have the communion if we could Get that around, we're done. Yeah, you can sit too. God bless you. You can sit too. God bless you. Just sit down for a moment. Thank you. God bless. Let me just say this with the communion message. And this is another blog that I got, another blog. And uh, I thought it was a thought it was good another great way to have the mind of Christ is through right believing right believing produces right behavior and your behavior is a manifestation of how you think now listen listen to this as a question listen to this before we take this communion if you think that you are just an old sinner saved by grace then you probably be more prone to acts of sin and sinful thoughts. I'll say it again. If you think that you are just an old sinner saved by grace, then you'd probably be more prone to acts of sin and sinful thoughts and bad character. The truth is that you were a sinner and you got saved by grace. Now you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, help us believe what the Bible says about us. Help us believe, God, what your word says. We confess your word. We believe your word. Lord, we want to be shining examples for you. We want to be light. We want to be light for your sake. To a compromised world with shifting values. Moral relativity. Father, We hold this communion for the price that you've paid for our life. We hold it in our hands. You paid a price, Lord God, for our life. A great price that we may be able to eradicate sin, the flesh, 
all the ugly stuff that the world will try and give us as character or as personality or a way of life. Jesus, as I hold this communion, this, this emblem of wine, this juice that represents your blood, Lord, as I take it, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me. And as I hold this, this bread, which represents your body that was broken for me, your body that was bruised and scarred, and heal me, bless me. Revive me to live for you again, Lord. Revive me to live. Like Francis Assisi says, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. God bless you as you take that.